Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks from Psalm 18 and Psalm 107 about our God, our Lord, and our Deliverer. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. Uh, we're going to get right to it and, uh, and dive in as we continue in our Psalms of Summer series. And today we're going to be briefly in Psalms 18, and we're going to go expositionally through Psalms 107. And the title of today's message is, The Lord, Our Deliverer. The Lord, Our Deliverer. I want to know, does anybody in here have a testimony that the Lord has delivered you from something? Amen? Because we're going to hear today about the Lord's faithfulness to those who search and cry out to Him in humility, and the Lord delivers. He is faithful. So if you need something today, if you're in search of hope, happiness, purpose, you're not going to find it anywhere else except in Jesus. He's your deliverer. He's your stronghold. He's your fortress. He's your rock. Will you live for Him today? So we're going to get right into this. I want to open with an introduction about something that we all know that we really kind of deep down inside love. And everybody, if you're, a, if you're a true American, you love a good story of an overcomer, don't you? I mean, a story where somebody was, the odds were stacked against them. Everything had, had fallen uh, opposite of, of the plan or the way they wanted things to go. But somehow, some way, they dug deep and they overcome. They didn't quit. Everybody loves a story like that. Another story we all like is the story of a deliverer. The story of a hero. That's why the, the superheroes, the Avengers are so good. When, when things are gone wrong and, and normal people, us, right? We don't have the strength to overcome the enemy that's come against us. Then something, someone comes in and saves the day, changes the outcome, and deliver from the enemy. Guys, today, we're going to see that in Scripture. And he's so much more than just a hero. He's a savior. He's an almighty, holy God who is worthy of our worship, our praise. And I don't mean just with our lips and our tongues, because that's superficial. I'm talking about with our heart and with our life. That's what he's worthy of for you today. Do you live your life in praise and worship of a holy God who's delivered you, who will deliver you and help you, give you the strength to overcome? Yeah, we love the story of an overcomer, of a deliverer. But how about if that was your story? How about if you were the overcomer in Christ? How about if Christ showed up on your behalf and delivered you, and you had a testimony, a story that everybody needs to hear about the Lord's faithfulness? That's what we're talking about today. Let me pray for us as we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and Lord... Father, we fall down and we worship you today. Lord, we don't just worship you with our presence at church. We don't just worship you with our tongues and our voices. Lord, we worship you today with our heart. We surrender. Lord, we want to live for you. We want to worship you every day of the week, not just on Sunday. We worship you with our lives. For that's our proper act of worship, is to be a living sacrifice for you. So, Lord, help us today as we dive into your word to hear from you. Lord, to hear of your faithfulness. Lord, to hear of your faithfulness to bring us out 
of positions of being lost, of being captive, Father, of, of falling into sickness because of choices that we've made, of being held up in addictions, and Lord, caught in the storms of life. Father, you are our deliverer. And Lord, we're here to hear from you today. So Lord, Father, I pray that you would speak through your word. Father, because your word changes lives. So Lord, may we say yes to you and be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Father, come do what only you can do and you get all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. If you have a copy of God's word with you, as I alluded to previously, will be in Psalms 18 and Psalms 107. So turn with me to the book of Psalms in chapter 18 as we start out. Psalms chapter 18, and we're just going to read the first two verses there in Psalms chapter 18. I'm going to go ahead and read the title for you because it tells us who's writing and why he's writing these verses. Let's read this. The title says, God, the sovereign Savior. To the chief musician, capital C. Do you see that? The chief musician. Who's the chief musician then? Jesus. That's who he's speaking to. It's a Psalms of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, if you recall, David was delivered from his enemies, those who had come against him, even from his own son and Absalom and those who had rose up against him, but then also from Saul, who was trying to kill him and take his life. So here's these words that he spoke in praise to the God who delivered. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. My strength in whom I will trust. My shield in the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. What we see right off the top is David praising God for who he is. And I want you to look and I want you to highlight or circle or make note of the things that he listed of who God was to him. Who is God to you? Who is he? Is he a genie in a bottle? Or is he the reason you live? Is he the only hope you have? He should be. Look at David as he cried out. This is the same David who slew Goliath, by the way. Right? I want you to listen to this. He's my strength. I like that. He's my rock. What is a rock? Gives an idea of something that doesn't move. It's strong. It upholds the weather, the storms. It's always there. He's my fortress. What's a fortress? A place of provision, protection, place of safety amongst the enemy. He's my deliverer. There's the title of our message. Is he your deliverer? Deliverer there, one of the names for the Lord is Jehovah Melfati. It means the Lord, my deliverer. We saw weeks ago that, that David said, Lord, you are God and you're my God. You see, many people call him Lord today, but is he your Lord? Because it's a big difference. Many people know he's a deliverer, but is he your deliverer? Because there's a difference. David spoke and said, he's my deliverer. He keeps going. He doesn't stop there again. He says, he's my strength in whom I will trust. He's my shield. What's a shield? 
another way of protection, a way to, to defend the darts, the arrows of the enemy. Look at this. He's the horn of my salvation. What's that? A horn's like, is that it? No, it's not. A horn was oftentimes the, the, talking about the horn of an animal, the, the place of strength, of power. So again, we're looking at strength here, that he is the strength of our salvation. He is my stronghold. Everything in that passage right there says the Lord is what to him? It's his strength. He has no strength apart from God. How about you? So many times you and I, we get caught up in, in looking for our strength in ourself and in our intelligence and in our finances and in our relationships. Do you ever think that the Lord's your only strength? The Lord's your only hope. He's your deliverer. For whatever you're facing right now, we look to people, we look to counselors, we look to this, we look to that. How about you look to Jesus today? And how about you trust him to do what only he can do in your life? Well, there's a good start because we're going to move out of that into another psalm that David wrote in the Psalms 107. Now that we get the context of who God is to David, let's look at this next Psalms. And we're going to see a psalm that speaks of deliverance. Psalms 107. I'm going to read first the first 32 verses in that. I want you to hear God's word and read along with me in Psalms 107 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies, satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out in the Lord to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and he cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. 
They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Guys, the psalmist right off the bat invites people of God, the people who have been redeemed, the people who have experienced his grace, his mercy, who are at the depths of despair and have seen God's hand move in their life, he calls them, those people, the redeemed, to not be silent. Oh, what a shame it would be for us to have a testimony of God's faithfulness and for us to be silent, wouldn't it? Because let me tell you something, God wants to use your scars and my scars to reach other people. The trouble, the destruction, the dealt with in the past or maybe that you're dealing with right now, God wants to bring you out of that and give you a testimony to sing of his faithfulness and point others to Christ that may be struggling with the same things. How are we going to ever make an impact for the kingdom if we're silent and invisible? Don't ever be silent and invisible for Jesus. Paul said in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of salvation to those who believe. Are you ashamed of Jesus? I hope you're not, and who he is in your life. David, first in this Psalms, calls out to that as he speaks almost of praise to these Israelites who were able to praise God because they had seen God's hand deliver them, deliver them out of the hands of slavery in Egypt, bring them across a Red Sea, uh, provide for them in the, in the wilderness and in the desert. And then, yes, like we went through in Ezra, had seen God's faithfulness as they cried out to him after they were in sin, in slavery because of their sin, and then God delivered them and made a way. We just went through that whole book. So that is what David is pointing to. And where he is right here, he's going to describe four distinct aspects of God's redemption, of how he rescues. He rescues the lost. He rescues the ones who are captive. He rescues the sick, and he rescues those in the storm. So what we're going to see is that everyone's story is different. We already know that, right? But yet everybody's story is the same. Even though you may have a different path, a different walk, a different past, a different history, all our stories are the same importing to God's faithfulness and his strength, for he is our deliverer. So as we look in verses 1 through 9, that passage, that clip of this passage there, talks about those who are lost. The ones who are lost in the worst possible place, in their sin, and they were wandering, and they didn't know which way to go. Have you ever been anywhere that you were lost, especially in, in maybe in the woods or, or, or somewhere where you, you got to a point where you just did not know where you were at? You ever been there? What would be a useful tool to have if you were lost in the woods? I know your cell phone, right? GPS, duh. How about, think old school. How about a compass, right? Where it could point you a certain direction. But here's what's very interesting. Did you know that your compass will not point you to true north? You see, there's a difference between true north, which is ge geographical north, 
and magnetic north. Did you know that? There is a over 300 mile difference between magnetic north and true north. And it's getting more every single day. By a rate of 25 miles per hour, every 25 miles every day, it deviates from true north. I want you to think about that. So what that means is you could eventually walk, if you walk long enough, you could end up to the point where your compass will say you're at north, but you're really at magnetic north. True north would be more than 300 miles somewhere else in another direction. How about this? You end up at the true north, geographical north, but you pull out your compass and it says you're not there, you need to go over here. Why am I talking about all this? I'm talking about this because we live in a culture and a society that follows spiritual magnetic north, but not spiritual true north. Let me explain that. The culture changes. The ideology of the culture changes. The theology of the culture changes. But Jesus and his word never change, people. This is true north spiritually. It's it. Anything that is subtracted from this is not. Anything that's added from this is not. This and this alone is true north. But you see, the world would tell you that spiritual magnetic north is somewhere different than this. And see, if, if you and I aren't careful, we can get deceived into thinking if when we go to a church and we hear God's word authentically preached and this is true north, but if we listen to the magnetic spiritual north of the world, it'll tell us this isn't right, that we need to be over here. Conversely, if you fall for the things of the world and you fall for their ideology and what they say is true, and ah, the Bible was, that's just an old book, it's just Mabel's and fairy tales and all that stuff, you're going to be deviated from the true spiritual north. You'll be somewhere that you think you are, and you're really not. God come to deliver the lost. Are you lost today? Maybe you're lost and you don't know it. Maybe you're at spiritual magnetic north and Jesus wants to bring you and deliver you to geographical spiritual true north today. He delivers. If you look in that passage down farther, it says that those who are hungry and thirsty and he provided for them. When you think of when you're lost and you haven't had food or water in some time, your, your, your soul, your very body just desires for something. And that's where, where spiritually God wants to provide. Spiritually, there's so many people that are hungry and thirsty today. And they're searching for answers. They're searching for hope. They're searching for truth. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And God is the only one who will provide. If you're lost, he's the one who delivers. The second, pass, second clip of this passage that he goes into in verses 10 through 16, he talks about captives. It says when, when God gathered his, his people, they come from all directions. And some of them come in chains. They were imprisoned. And we just talked about that because we know these Israelites had, had been imprisoned at the hands of, uh, of an evil king who had brought them in and tried to kind of culturize them, despiritualize them, if you will, and, and make them follow his ways. And they were in captivity because of their sin. And they spent 70 years in captivity. We just went through that in Ezra. But for those that were crying out, the Lord delivered. And he was faithful to his promise that they would be in their 70 years, even though they had disobeyed God. Again, let's look back. They were in captivity. They were in slavery. They were at the hands of wicked men. Why? Because of their choices. Their choices for what? To rebel against God 
to not listen to his word and to not listen to the counsel of God. Think about all the prophets, the, the men of God who had gone to the Israelites and said, hey, if you don't change, man, hard time's coming. Hey, repent and, and follow, the God, follow God's word, follow his way. And they wouldn't do it. How many times have people heard solid, sound, biblical teaching and preaching and said, eh, not yet, not today. I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to tell you right now, you may choose your way. You may choose the world's way, but there's going to be a point where you're going to end up in a place where you don't want to be. Because that's where sin does. Sin always, always keeps you longer than you want to stay, makes you pay more than you're willing to pay. It entraps you. It ensnares you. That's where God's people found themselves. But then the Bible says that they fell down and there was no one to help. Think about this imprisonment. It was difficult forced labor back then. They weren't sitting in an air-conditioned cell with TV and a free education like today. We're not talking about prison like today, guys. That they were laboring from sun up to sundown. They were tired. They fell down and there was nowhere to help. And they would get beat or whipped to get back up and get to work. That was prison back then. That was the result of the people disobeying God. And inside of that, and the Lord in his great mercy heard them. It says the Bible says that they cried out in their trouble, in their chains, in their hardship, in their imprisonment, they begged for God's help in humility. They finally saw their sinfulness and the result of their sinfulness for what it was. And they knew they couldn't help themselves. And who did they need? The God that they once had disobeyed. How about you today? Maybe you look back and you look at choice that you had made in life and you realize you had disobeyed God. You had walked away from God. Maybe you're doing that right now. Maybe you're walking away from God and his truth and God's calling you back today through his word and he's speaking. Will you say yes to him today? Because he wants to save you from a future of destruction that will come at the hands of sin for your life, your family's life, and those around you. Will you heed his instruction, his word today? And in humility, surrender yourself. And make him Lord of your life. These people finally cried out and the Lord heard them and delivered them. Hey, isn't that a great news today? I think that's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. That you may have messed up. You may have fallen short of God's glory because we all have. But there's a time in your life if you will humble yourselves and fall on your knees and cry holy. And you will surrender your life back to God. He will hear your cry. He will meet you where you're at and he will deliver you. Will you hear that message today? And will you cry out? And will you surrender to him? That is the greatest comfort for sinners. It's Romans 5, 8 displayed, said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's made a way. Will you receive it? The Lord doesn't want the destruction in your life to take place. That maybe down the road, if you continue in a life separated from him. The Lord breaks the strongest gates and bars at the end of that passage and he sets the prisoners free. Have you been set free today? The Bible says who the Lord sets free is really free. Are you free? Or are you still entrapped in bondage in your mind and in your thinking and by an addiction and something that maybe started so innocent and everybody was doing it and it wasn't seeming to be hurting anybody else. So you tried it because you wanted to fit in and something that started so innocent is now a monster called an addiction where you're no longer in control of yourself, but something else is in control of you. Jesus wants to break those chains today and set you free. Will you come and let him be your deliverer? The third way of deliverance in this passage, we look at verses 17 through 22. 
And he talks about those that are sick. And this isn't just talking about those that are sick in general from a, a natural disease or, or occurrence. This is talking about those that are diseased and sick from their own foolishness, their own choices, their own sin, their own deviation from God. If you look at the verb there, it says they were afflicted. That verb, as well as all the supporting phrases around in this passage, point to people who were troubled by self-infliction. Something they had done, choices they had made that now brought this sickness upon them. That brings to mind the alcoholic. That brings to mind the, the drug addict. That brings to mind the, the sex addict. That brings to mind anything that we make choices that we fall into because it's so easy, guys. It's so easy for us to, to, to choose the things that appeal to our flesh. But God wants to come and set us free that even when we have fallen so deep into these addictions, these things that now control our life, God, if we will cry out, wants to deliver us. He wants to set us free. The Bible says that they were so sick in their ways of the, of, from their transgressions that they drew near to the gates of death. And the psalmist describes those who were very sick and near death that they had no appetite. It says their soul abhorred all manner of food. They were about to waste away. They had no desire. They had no hope. Everything was lost. Sounds like somebody that was at the point of suicide, doesn't it? That's where things lead from the world. Man, I, I know that you listen to TV and, and radio and everything else and, and songs and music, and, and all the world tries to point you to is alcohol and drugs and sexual immorality and all these things. But at the end, all they do is destroy your mind and destroy your life. There's temporary moments of pleasure, but there's an eternity of destruction at the end. But we also fall for it because it's all around us. The psalmist describes that wasting away in their affliction, in their mind, where they're abhorring all that they need, even food. When food and pleasure and things are no longer relevant, all hope is lost. The spiritual analogy for that is a sick soul, a, a, a deprived heart has no appetite for the spiritual food, the spiritual milk and meat of God's word. And it shows that spiritual death is near. We talked about that a little bit last week, about not being complacent and not just moving towards complacency because in the end is a catastrophe. This phrase was spoken again. This huge phrase is repeated in this passage, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what? He said, ah, no, you're a bad person. Nah, I'm not helping you. No, is that what he did? No. He answered them and delivered them. I want you to hear that message today. I want you to hear that. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you put your hand, your heart, and your life in Christ today, your past is erased and you can no longer be condemned. The devil will try to do it. Your mother-in-law may try to do it, but Jesus won't. Will you give your life to him today? He wants to set you free. He wants to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that when you're in Christ, that he remembers your sin no more. That means that when he looks at you and you're covered in the blood, all he sees is Jesus. He doesn't see your past. The devil wants to remind you of your sin. God wants to remind you of who he is in your life. He's your deliverer. He's your stronghold. These people cried out in their sickness, in their depravity, in their hopelessness. 
and he set them free. Look at verse 20. It's a beautiful right here. Look at verse 20. It says, he sent his word and healed them. Oh my goodness. I'm going to say that again. He sent his word and healed them. I'm going to say it again because I don't know if that's moving anybody else in here like it's moving me right now. He sent his word and healed them. Do you live by his word or you, do you live by the words of the world, the thoughts, the patterns of society? His word gives life. His word heals because it's the very spoken words of God himself to you. It heals. It heals your heart. It heals your mind. It heals your soul. It heals your family. It heals this community. Do you live by it? Do you even know what it says? Get in it. It heals. These people were at the end of their life, suicidal, didn't even want to eat because of the destruction in their life. The Lord sent his word to heal them. Will you hear his word today? Will you say yes to Jesus? So many times Jesus healed just by his spoken word. Why? Because of the faith the people had trusted in him. Will you put your faith and your trust in him? And let him heal your heart and your soul today. The fourth way he delivered is found in verses 23 through 32. And was those in a storm. And we briefly talked about that a couple weeks ago, so I won't harp on that greatly. But we know that when you're out in the sea and there's a storm and that boat's about to capsize, that there's fear, that there's panic that there's loss of hope, that the end is near. The disciples experienced that on the Sea of Galilee in a boat with Jesus asleep in the back. And they were in fear and they were in panic. And they said, Lord, are you just, just going to let us die while you sleep? And Jesus got up and he spoke and the wind stopped. And he said, oh, you of little faith, why are you fearing? Hey, why are you fearing what you're fearing today? In your mind, in your heart, what are you scared of? What are you panicking about? Are you panicking about the future of America? I can tell you you shouldn't because if you've read the end of the book and if you are truly in Christ, then you're going to be delivered to a better place, to a place of glory. And you need to be praising God for that, not scared and in panic. Now, if you're not in Christ, yeah, you need to be scared and panicking because when that trumpet sounds, baby, and you ain't on the boat, dog, it's bad news. Seven years are coming that ain't going to be very pretty, especially the last three and a half. You think it's hard to live and claim Jesus now. Miss that trumpet and see how hard it gets. When you have to watch your family starve for the name of Jesus so you don't take the mark. And you watch your kids starve and you can't go to work and you can't take them to the doctor because you have to have the mark to do all that. But the Bible says if you take the mark that you can't go to heaven, but you're not in Christ. You think it's hard now to stand for Jesus? It's going to get harder then. You better do it now. But there's going to come a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Why wouldn't you do it now? Break your pride. Let Jesus and his word break your pride. Get rid of your, your hardened heart. Let him break up that fallow ground and come to Jesus today and surrender before the time is too late. He sent his word to heal. Those in the storm, he calmed, he spoke, and the winds were calmed, and they were delivered. I love this passage in Isaiah because it really, truly talks about everything that is really spoken about here of what we just read. I want to read Isaiah 61 for you. 
I want to re- read the first seven verses. This is out of the NIV version. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive, rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's the God we serve. He longs to set the captives free. And then into what? To plant you as an oak of righteousness. What's an oak tree? Man, that's something that stands, that weathers years of storms and digs its roots deeper and goes down. And it's a, a pillar of strength. That's what God wants to do in your life. No matter what has overtaken you, no matter what is trying to overtake you, he wants to set you free today. Will you put your life in his hands? We look at the end of this passage in Psalms 107. I want to go back and read that for you now. Psalms 107, we're going to read verses 33 now through 43 and close this up. Verses 33 through 43. It says, he turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow. He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Verses 33 through 38 describe the Lord's power to change things. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present everywhere. And he knows what you're going through. And he has the ability to change things. Dr. Phil may not have the ability. Oprah may not have the ability. Jesus does. Budweiser, the king of kings, king of beers, does not have the ability. I promise you that. Jack Daniels and Jim Bean, they don't have the ability to change things. Oh yeah, they can change it, but not the way you want it. But Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is able to change things. You see this this contrast here where 
for the wicked. He sets his face against them and he turns things that are going well for them into things that are going bad when he sets his hand against it. And then the reverse he does for the righteous, for those that put their trust and faith in him. He makes a way where there is no way. He's a deliverer. Verses 38 through 42, it says that he basically pours out contempt on princes. What is that? People that set their hand against God's people. If you're in God's will and you're living God's way, hey, I want to tell you, this is going to go contrary to the uh, prosperity gospel, but the Bible says right here, even those that are living according to him, when they encounter what? Affliction. Oppression. Did you catch that? Hey, it doesn't mean everything's going to go well when you're in Christ, but God's going to make a way. He may let you endure for a season because he wants to strengthen you in whatever your challenges you're coming against. But the best thing you can do is not take matters into your own hands and not take revenge yourself on those who are coming against you. I can promise you that. Why? Because your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's, against a, it's a spiritual battle in the heavenly realms. And I'm going to tell you right now, you let God deal with the people who come against you. You do it. You just turn them over to God and let them deal with their heart. Don't you fight them. You turn the other cheek. That's what you do. It's what Jesus told us to do. And you let God do what only God can do. Because he, if they continue in their ways and don't repent, he's going to set himself against them. And woe to the man who comes against God's will and God's church and God's way. Turn them over to him. He sets his ways. He pours contempt even on princes, even on leaders who cause oppression and affliction and sorrow. Think about the, the, the leaders of nations that have caused people to, to go astray and cause trouble upon God's people. Woe to them on the day of judgment unless they repent. He sets his hand against them and he delivers. Verse 43 closes and he says this, those that are wise will observe what? These things. Everything we just said. Who God is, how he delivers, how you want to just keep wallowing in your sin, or do you want out of it? It says the wise will listen to these things, will listen to God's word. What is wisdom? Proverbs says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you fear the Lord? Do you have a reverent awe of fear that he is holy, that he's just, and that his way is better than your way? That his word is better than your word? Do you? Because that is wisdom. That's where it starts. And knowing who God is. Go back to Psalms 18 that we just read. Who was God to David? He was his strength. He was his fortress. He was his stronghold. He was his deliverer. Is he yours? Is he yours? You see, wisdom's different than knowledge. Make no mistake. Knowledge is knowing facts. You can know facts about the Bible and never be wise. Because wisdom is knowing what to do with those facts. Wisdom is being doers of the word and not just hearers only. Wisdom is surrendering your heart and your life to his lordship and following his way. And letting him lead you out. So who is your God today? Who is your God? Who are you serving? Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 when Daniel was given this prophecy of the, the kings that would rise up in the end times, so he's speaking of prophecy in the end days. And he says this in verse 32 of that chapter. He says, the people who know God will stand firm and take action. Oh, oh, that's good stuff right there. Because before that, he said, others will be fallen away by, the, by the, the, the temptations of this world. He says, but those who truly know God, even in the end days, all the, the deception and all the pain and, and uh, de, um, 
conviction and everything else is going on, those who really know God will stand firm and take action. I want to tell you right now, may the remnant of the church of Jesus Christ stand up, please. Amen. Because we need warriors. Where are you at, soldiers of the cross? Where are you at? Where are you at, soldiers of the cross? Well, I'm going to tell you because when the enemy attacks and when the battle is raging, what do the real soldiers do? They run to the front line, baby. How, do we, how should we run to the front line? With confrontation? With wanting to argue? No, absolutely not. The opposite of that. We bring light and not heat to discussions that face our society. That's what we do. Light and not heat. We run to the line with truth covered in love. That's what we do. But we never run from the truth. You have to have the truth because if you just love, 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 you can love somebody straight to hell. If you really love somebody, you'll provide them truth, but you'll provide it in a loving way that comes beside them and helps them and doesn't just bash them and condemn them. That's not the love of Christ. Our truth is laced in love. That's how we run to the front lines. Jesus set the example for us in that. Jesus set the example of that, how we're never to give in to the ways of this world and, and give in to, to what people think about us. Jesus never let other people's opinion of him ever reshape who he was or what he was called to do. Think about that. Why? Because he knew who he was. And he wasn't easily swayed when Satan came with the very scripture and the word of God. Oh, that's scary stuff. Did you know Satan knows God's word as well? Satan knows God's word. Satan knows that, that Jesus is God. And he come and tried to tempt him, and it didn't sway him. So how about you and me? So therefore, we get a message. We know that being tempted is not the sin. You're going to be tempted with a lot of stuff in your life. Maybe you are right now. Temptation is not the sin. Saying yes to that temptation is the sin. What have you said yes to that maybe you need to start saying no to? Right now, today, to say no through the power of God. Some try to find their identity, their joy, their hope, their peace in others and relationships. It's not there. Some are trying to find it in alcohol in the bottom of a bottle. It's not there. Some are trying to find it in drugs and painkillers. It's not there. Some are trying to find it in sexual immoral lifestyles and wild parties. It's not there. Some are trying to find it in a fantasy land on a computer screen and on television. It's not there. Some are trying to find their hope, peace, purpose, and identity in money, in material things. It's not there. Your hope, your peace, your joy, your identity will only be found in Christ. In other words, you will not truly live one happy, peaceful, contentful day until you know Jesus as Lord. Will you make him Lord of your life? I want to tell you today, church, you cannot change what you're not willing to confront. I'm going to say it again. You will never change what you're not willing to confront right now. That's why we preach the word of God the way we do. Why? Because God's word confronts sin. It does. And in his grace and mercy, he can pull us out, restore us, and redeem us, and renew us. That's the gospel. He's in the business of making all things new and changing lives. Has he changed yours? Because here's the truth. If you're never confronted by your sin with this, you'll never be convicted of your sin. 
If you're never convicted of your sin, you'll never be brought to humility and surrender and submit to the lordship of Jesus and confess your sin. And if you don't confess your sin like that, you'll never repent of your sin. And if you don't repent of your sin, you're still in your sin. You see, it starts with confrontation. And I want to tell you, God's word is a healthy confrontation that brings conviction. Conviction is healthy. Can I go ahead and tell you that? We've said numerous times, when you come to Impact Church, don't bring your steel-toed boots, right? I mean, your spiritual steel-toed boots, you know what I'm saying? You wear steel-toed boots, you don't want what? Something to step on your toe, right? We say, wear your flip-flops spiritually to church because confrontation of sin and conviction of sin is healthy. Did you know that the grace and mercy of God is found in the conviction of sin? Did you know that? That's God's grace and God's mercy to confront you with his word so that he can give you life, so that his word can heal you. We just read it. That's healthy. Stop running from it. Say yes to it. Open your heart and your mind to Jesus and let's become disciples of Christ. The world needs it. Your family needs it. This community needs it. If we're ever going to reach this community for Jesus, if we're ever going to see a change, a healthy change in our society, it's going to start with you and me surrendering and saying yes to Christ. But we look at this God who delivers And we know that these addictions, they grip us, they control our minds, they enslave us. And yeah, there's the obvious ones like alcohol and drugs and pornography, but there's the ones that aren't so obvious as well. How about fear? Anxiety, does that grip you? Does that paralyze you? Yes, it does. How about materialism and money? That's huge in our society. Just the wanting of things and, and, and having things make you happy and having money makes you happy. Be careful with that. Doesn't mean we can't have money and have things and enjoy them. That's not what I'm saying. But if they grip your heart and they consume you, there's a big problem. Have things become your God? Has money become your God? How about food and gluttony? There's things we don't like to talk about in the church, but things that we run to to make us feel better instead of Christ. How about addiction to exercise and fitness? where you have to have your body look in a certain way for you to feel good about yourself, for you, to, for, for you to feel important in society and for you to have the certain friends that you have. I hope you haven't been deceived that way. Exercise and fitness is great, but it can be unhealthy if it consumes you. How about binge watching TV and social media to bring comfort? How about binge shopping and spending? And there's probably some ladies in the house that be like, oh no, he didn't go there. <laughs> How about hoarding? Just a collection of things, consuming yourself with hobbies where they control your life and your free time and there's no time for God and it's better to to skip church on Sundays and skip Bible studies and not go to life group because you just got to do those hobbies. How about workaholism where something that you can even Satan twist scripture on you and say, oh, but I'm the provider, but yet you work so hard that it takes away your heart from Christ. Maybe it takes you away from your family and your kids and you lose relationship with your wife and your kids. And this thing that, be, that is good inherently to be a provider now becomes something that pulls you away from your first ministry and that's to your family. Maybe it's consuming you where it makes you feel better just to be at work and you're not happy anywhere else. Maybe you need to surrender to Christ in any and all of that today. Maybe there's others that I didn't list and you fill in the blank. What is consuming you? What do you need to be delivered from? 
The good news I can tell you is that there's hope. There's hope. You don't have to live the rest of your life trapped and confined in this mental and physical stronghold. You don't have to do it. Because Christ wants to give you the life that he intended for you to have on this world, but more for eternity. This world is just such a blip of your existence. Don't put all your hope into things of this world. As we close, here's the truth. We're all scarred and broken vessels. No one in this place is perfect. Every one of us have fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. We're all broken in certain ways. We all have scars in certain ways. But when we're placed in the hands of the master potter, and he restores and renews and transforms you into something new, you have a testimony. You have an obligation to not be quiet, like David said at the beginning of Psalms 107, but for the redeemed to cry out and tell of the faithfulness of God. So what will you do? Because I want to tell you that you have unlimited potential in Christ. Did you know that? Your potential in Christ is unlimited. You may think that your life is over, that you've messed up, and that, that you're not worthy, and God can't use you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I want to tell you today that you have unlimited potential in Christ to surrender your life to him today. You do. And you know what? The enemy knows that too. You say, hold up, Brad. How does he know that? He doesn't know the future. He's not all knowing like God. But what he does know is God's track record. <laughs> He knows how God has used men and women of the past when they surrendered their life wholeheartedly to him, how he has done miraculous things through them. So he's scared of that. That's why he wants to keep you where you're at. He wants to keep you in your sin. He wants to keep you in your doubt. He wants to keep you going towards spiritual magnetic north and not the true north of God's word in the Bible. He wants to keep you away from that. Why? Because there's potential energy in you. Potential energy. Do y'all remember that? Who paid attention in science class? Anybody? Stop lying, we're in church. Y'all ain't paying attention to science class. Nobody did. Potential energy is the energy that's stored in something when it's stationary. But then when it gets in motion, there's what? Kinetic energy. That's when it can do its damage. You see, the enemy wants you to stay just potentially. He wants you to sit and still. He wants you sitting quiet. He wants you hiding spiritually. He wants you wallowed in sin where you can't talk of the Lord's deliverance. But see, when God sets you free and he's delivered you, you now become kinetic energy for the gospel and for the kingdom of Jesus. And now you can do your damage against the gates of hell and the people that he wants to take with him to hell for eternity. You, I'm telling you, soldiers of Jesus Christ, if you will cry out, if you will surrender, if you will let the Lord do the work in your life, other people are going to see Christ in that and they're going to come to Jesus too. They're going to want what you have, and the enemy is defeated, not only in your life, but in theirs. I don't know about you, but I want a life like that. Give Jesus a big round of applause in this place for him doing what only he can do. So maybe your back's against the wall right now. And I can tell you, you have two choices. You can quit. Most people do. Or you can keep going. You can persevere. You can fight. I'm going to say that again. You can quit. Or you can keep going. Whatever you're facing right now. Know this. Both hurt. Both of them. Quitting hurts. Keep going hurts. In different ways. You see, if you quit, it's permanent. 
is done. But if you persevere, if you keep going in Christ and you fight the good fight of faith, then there's potential in that. I don't know about you, but I want potential. So I'm going to keep going. When life gets hard, when tough, when things come, and they will, will you surrender to God and just let him take control? That's hard. Because I don't know about you, I want to take control. I, want to, I, th- I think i got to do things and, and fix things. God wants us to trust him. So when life starts to look like it's more of a battlefield than a playground, it's time to fight. Fight on your knees. Fight in the humility, knowing that you can't fight in your own strength. You need God to fight for you and with you. Will you surrender to that? The Bible says and tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Look at the person beside you and tell them, fight the good fight of faith. That means stand strong. The Lord is your God. He is your strength. He is your deliverer. He is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your stronghold. Would you put your trust and your faith in him today? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. So right now today, maybe there's something gripping you. Maybe there's something that has a hold of you and you need deliverance from. Would you cry out to Jesus today? Would you? Maybe you're here and you're just hurting and you're empty inside and you're struggling with something mentally, spiritually. And you may be here today and be thinking all hope is lost. I want to tell you it's not. So is your glass half empty or half full? I don't know. But I can tell you that if you're in Christ, if you surrender to Christ, that your glass is refillable. Would you let him do it for you today? Will you come to the well of Jesus and drink from his water, his living water, that he said when you drink from this well, you won't thirst anymore? Will you come to him? Will you surrender to him? It's time to come alive and walk in victory. Truth conquers lies and deception. Faith conquers fear. Light conquers darkness. Life conquers death. Jesus gives life. Will you come alive in Christ? Will you raise to walk in newness of life? Because he is Lord. He's your only hope. He's our deliverer. But is he your Lord? And is he your deliverer? Make him Lord today. Say yes to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. I want to know today, if there's anybody in here, and you might say, Brad, I've never received Jesus and made him Lord of my life. I've walked in and out of church doors. I, I believe he's Lord. I know he's Lord. I know some of what the Bible says. Maybe you even prayed a prayer one day. Maybe shed a tear to altar. But you've never felt the heart and life change that we've talked about so many times today. And you want to make that change today. You want to surrender your heart because that's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. It says, with your heart that you believe and are justified is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Yes, you're going to confess him as Lord today, but if your heart's not in it, all you did is say some words. Will you surrender your heart today? Right now. Give it up in humility. Just surrender and say, now, Lord, my life is yours. I surrender you and your word. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer from your heart to God's heart. And again, it's not a magic prayer. The words don't save you. It's your heart. But you're speaking to God from your heart and say, God, I'm ready. Tired of doing life on my own and for the things of this world. I'm doing my life your way right now, today. 
That's the decision you're making. Or if you're here today and you say, Brad, I made that decision previously in my life and there was a time I walked with the Lord, but lately I've deviated, I fell, fell away and I need to come running back to the cross today. I, I want God to, to rekindle and renew the fire in my heart and my life for him and inside my family. And I want to rededicate my life. If that's you, I want you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's right now. To receive him for the first time, make him Lord or rededicate your life. Just say, dear Lord, I'm done. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of your glory. And right now I'm in need of you, my Savior, my Lord, my Deliverer. Thank you for going to the cross. Jesus, God's only Son, God in the flesh, allowing your body to be broken and your blood to be shed that I could be forgiven, that I could be restored and renewed because there is no other way to salvation except through Jesus. And Lord, thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving that you are God. And Lord, in that victory, I want to claim that same victory right now in my life. And my commitment to you is from this day forward, you have me. All of me is now to live for all of you. So Lord, I give you my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, you meant business with God, boldly and unashamed. I want you to raise your hand. Forget the person beside you, around you, behind you. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And this is your stand for for what God's doing in your heart and your life. Amen. You can put your hands down. If I don't see you, God does. Amen. Impact Church, can we give Jesus a big round of applause for who he is, for his word that speaks and gives life, for he is our deliverer. He is our strength. Because when we're weak, he is strong. And here's the truth. He wants you to feel weak. We should feel weak. Because that's when God shows up and does what only he can do. Would you let him do what only he can do in your life and in your family, in this church and in this community? Take this word. Make an impact for Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.